Welcome back, everyone. It's the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast. That's Pete. And that is Stacy. We are back and better than ever. <laughs> we hope you all are doing great. And I guess we're just going to jump right in. Dive right in. All right, malls. That's been a big thing we've been talking about on Instagram. Yeah. And I decided that, you know, we should talk about it here, but we're only going to pick one. So what is a store that you used to go to in the mall in the 80s or 90s, can be either one, Mm -hmm. that you just loved going to? I mean, mine is super basic, but I really had a good time going to JCPenney. (laughs) I loved it. What a basic B. (laughs) I'm very basic. (laughs) I loved it too. But I mean, it had toys, at least the one that I went to had toys there. Yeah. Clothes, you know, at the the point that I got interested in in clothes, mm-hmm. those were there. I think that's Arizona. Where, yeah, Arizona <laughs> Jean Company. It's where I bought one of my most favorite jackets, like oh. a NFL starter parka that my dad was so upset that I bought because it was like three hundred dollars. Oh wow! And he was very angry with me that I went and spent money on it, but I really liked it and I wore it all the time. <laughs> and it was always like really well decorated for whatever the season was. Yes. Most notably at Christmas time. It was just always really well decorated and I liked it. And they also have an incredible catalog. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? I celebrate their entire catalog. Oh. Their entire catalog. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm never going to say it properly. Say it, do it. Just no, do it. No, I don't know how oh. to do that. Oh. <laughs> Give me yours. This is one that I used to go to in the early 90s when I was still pretty young, middle school age. It's the Sanrio store. Sanrio? Yes, which is like Hello Kitty, My Melody, Little Twin Stars, Karopi. It was all like super popular. None of this is ringing familiar Just Hello Kitty. I've never heard of the rest of these. I bet if you saw them, they would look familiar. Maybe. I, I don't know. But- yeah, it was just a great store. It had such cute things in it. Um, I would like to have all of this kind of stuff back. So it was like toys and stuff? It's like toys and like stationary type stuff, pins and notepads and Okay, so it's like like Hello Kitty gear. Kind of. Merch. Yeah. Merch. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. But also I have this memory <laughs> from being in middle school, probably seventh or eighth grade, and I've mentioned before that my friend Leah and I, and sometimes our friend Jamie, would go to the mall, usually on a Friday night. Leah's mom would drop us off, and we would stay for, like, two or three hours, mm-hmm. and then she'd pick us up, and we knew, like, when, when we needed to go meet her out front. You'd set a time? We'd set a time, because okay. you couldn't call. No. This was back when you could do that with your 12 and 13-year-olds, and trust that they'd be cool. safe in the yeah. mall. So we'd walk around, and sometimes you'd meet people. And we met these two guys that went to another school. Mm-hmm. So that made it even cooler. <laughs> it's always <laughs> just cooler. because they were fresh, you know, yeah. some, something new. And, of course, we were flirty with them or whatever. And we separated because we were going to go do our own thing. I don't, I don't know what we were going to do. But we were planning to meet back with them, like, in the food court or something later on. Right. So we went our separate ways. And, of course, us being 
12, you know, we were like super giddy and excited that we had met these guys. And we go to the Sanrio store where you can make buttons, like pins. Oh, like a button, like a pin. Yeah, like okay. you can pin on your shirt or yeah. whatever. And it literally said in our handwriting, because we, <laughs> we wrote it out, I met Travis and Shannon at the mall. I think that's their names. That's that's what memory came to my mind. And we had them turned into buttons. So then we were wearing them when we met back up with them later. You had them on? And we thought that that was just the coolest, funniest thing. What did they think? I mean, who knows what they really thought? Did they laugh I think at they, least? they laughed. I mean, they seemed to be flattered and liked it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we still talked to them later. That's like, I don't know. It's just a little memory I have along with that store. Do you still have that button? I think I do, actually. <laughs> I want to see that I button. really wanted to get in the attic before we did this uh, so that I could share it. But um, whenever I find it, I'll definitely have to share it on the yeah, page. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so anything that is worthy of the vice principal's office this week? I mean, not that anyone has pointed out yet. Mm -hmm. The only thing I can think is I messed up, but I caught it. We tried to fix it, but we couldn't really fix it. So. I was talking about the girl who plays Tori. Now I can't think of her name, but it's Tori from Saved by the Bell. Yes, <laughs> uh, I was talking about how she she's a triplet, and she and her sisters are in a movie with Haley Mills, who was Miss Bliss on the Saved by the Bell prequel. Would we say? Yeah, <laughs> um, the Saved by the Bell origin show. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the origin story of <laughs> Saved by the Bell. Um, but people know Haley Mills from Parent Trap, the original Parent Trap. And I said that they were in Parent Trap 2 with her, but it's actually Parent, Parent Trap, Trap 3. 3. And we tried to re-record me saying 3 in Parent Trap 3, but the sound was off and it just was so obvious that it... I didn't actually say it then. I didn't want to walk upstairs. I was way too lazy. <laughs> so I tried to do it in like my gaming headset downstairs. And it just didn't just sound the same. So I was like, didn't work. All right, let's just do something different. Yeah. I was like, just put an editor's note in there. <laughs> Take because the easy button. Yeah. He's like, just let it go. Nobody's going to even notice. I was like, please just put the editor's note in there. I think in the future, we have to let people catch it. Because otherwise, you're just sending yourself to the principal's I office. Know. Who's or Vice principal's office, sorry. <laughs> Who's going to do that? Nobody. Got to let the audience catch it. Now they're just going to be looking for th wrong things. Well, listen, it's how they participate in a, in a segment. <laughs> Call us out. Please. All right. So what's my punishment for that? That's just a detention. Like All that's right. so it's borderline innocuous. Especially since I caught it. You caught it yourself. Before it aired. Self-reported. You told on yourself. I did. I should have thought three because there are three of them. It makes sense. You know? Yeah. But I'm like, I didn't even realize there was a Parent Trap 2. So that's why I said Parent Trap 2, because I just assumed that- You assumed that one was that the second one? That one was the second one, okay, yeah. I gotcha. All right, so our picks this week. Yeah. Two movies from the 90s. We chose Clueless and Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, the original. Yes. I have to say, we were actually going to do Jurassic Park- and the land before time yeah. because we kind of wanted to have like a little theme. It's a theme. A dinosaur theme. But we started watching it and then I told Pete the story about the girl who voiced Ducky and it was just too depressing. It was the saddest story ever. And I was just like, wow, this really changes this movie for me. Yeah. So if you don't know what happened, just look it up. Yeah, go to Or don't. Or don't. If you don't know... 
Just stay oblivious. Just stay oblivious. It's bliss. So clueless. I mean, that's really right along the same lines, right? Dinosaurs and Cher yeah. Horowitz. Same, same theme. As if. As if. <laughs> so it came out in 1995. It was written and directed by Amy Heckerling, who you may know as the director from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, National Lampoon's European Vacation. I didn't even know she did that. Me either. Uh, Look Who's Talking. Yeah, she had quite the resume. She did. So Clueless is a coming-of-age story. It's loosely based on the Jane Austen novel, Emma, which Mm. I had forgotten about. I didn't know that. You know what's funny is I had said to you that it felt almost like Bridget Jones's diary. Yeah, you did. Was like a older, less exciting (laughs) version of Clueless. (laughs) Right. And the funny thing about that is Bridget Jones's diary is loosely based on Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. So there we go. Good correlation. (laughs) Nice. Maybe there's just somewhere inside me I remembered that they were both based on Jane Austen novels. and I was too taken in with all the fashion to even think about the story. <laughs> so it centers on Cher, who is this beautiful, rich daddy's girl living in Beverly Hills. We see what her glamorous life is like, her fashion sense, her trendy catchphrases, mm-hmm. her friends, her love life. And for most of the movie, we see that those things are pretty much the only thing that matter to her. Yes. You know, but then... She starts to evolve. She starts to open her mind and realize that there's a great big world out there and she wants to make a difference and she wants to be a good person. That's her journey. It is. And honestly, though, Alicia plays it so well, even when she's being a brat and she's being manipulative to get her way and all of that, she's still likable. Yeah, the movie was a lot smarter than I remembered. Yes. You know, I just kind of, I watched it back in the day, but it's actually well written. It it's is funny, mm-hmm. and it, it I mean, it remains funny at times, and I, I think it's a smart movie. Yeah. And it, it's well acted. It really holds up. Aside from the only thing that was, like, a little jarring to us were the overt stereotypes. Yes. Which in was, every way. Right. Racially, you know, sexual orientation, just all it's of like it. It's like everybody was a parody of... Right. Uh, uh, an actual person where it's just like, okay, if that movie were made today, that's I don't believe that's how it would be portrayed. Yeah, I don't think it would fly. No. But again, times were different. And it's, yeah, it's what, 1995? Five. Five. Yeah. Watching these older movies, you know, it's it's always a little shocking to see. Yeah. Times they have changed. They have, for sure. In some ways. And in some ways, times have not <laughs> right. changed. A <laughs> changed. <laughs> so the cast... Alicia Silverstone as Cher Horowitz, Stacey Dash as Dion. What I loved about when we meet Dion is that Cher says, Dion and I were both named after great singers of the past who now do infomercials. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, you know, Cher and Dion Warwick. I'd kind of forgotten that back then they were doing infomercials, the two of them. Me too. So then the late Brittany Murphy as Ty... Uh, I think everybody knows she passed away in 2009, Mm -hmm. tragically. Paul Rudd as Josh. I love me some Paul Rudd. His first big role, I think. Dan Hedaya as Mel, Cher's dad, who's awesome. You look at the character that he played. Yes. And then we watched like a a making of featurette. And he's such like a soft-spoken, sweet 
gentle yes. person. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just so crazy to then juxtapose that over to his character. It's just like, whoa. I know. What a great actor. Job. Yeah, what a great actor. Yeah, because the other actors were talking about him and how they felt like so intimidated by him, his presence. And yeah. then you get to know him and, and what a sweet person he is. And we were just like, eh, you know, okay, sure. But then they show his interview and you're just like, oh, what a sweetheart. He's I just so want to know him. <laughs> know. Like, can you be my granddad? I love you. <laughs> so then... Elisa Donovan as Amber, Justin Walker as Christian, Wallace Shawn as Mr. Hall. Inconceivable. <laughs> Twink Kaplan, what a great name. Yeah. As Miss Geist. And she's also an associate producer on the film. Oh, nice. I think Dual she duty. must be good friends with Amy because yeah. she was also in Look Who's Talking. Oh, yeah. Good call. And there were a couple of tie-ins. I think maybe even Fast Times mm-hmm. she was in. Donald Faison as Murray. Love him. Brecken Meyer. Also love him. This is the only last name I put in for the kids, but Travis Birkenstock. I just love the fact that his last name is Birkenstock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which also I thought was funny as he, he kept talking about how he was so far from this character. Like yeah. he was never the stoner guy. He was never the skateboarder, you know. Just yeah, didn't was... he say like those guys would beat me up or something yeah, like that? Yeah, like he's like, <laughs> I know this guy. I hate this guy. <laughs> but he played him perfectly. He did. Jeremy Sisto as, as Elton. And then Julie Brown as Coach Stoger. Millie Stoger. So some fun facts. Both Alicia and Breck and Meyer both went to Beverly Hills High, which is where they went to school, the yeah. movie. Amy Heckerling set in on classes at Beverly Hills High School to just get a feel for the student culture and the lingo. I mean, I assume she nailed it. I didn't speak like these people as a senior or a junior. I didn't know anyone who was speaking like this until they saw the movie, you know, and then yeah. people started saying, you know, whatever. I'd forgotten about whatever. But I, I guess like from a high school standpoint, they would have watched it in 95. Five. 95, yeah, or 96, yeah. depending on when it came out. I feel so, like it was probably a summer movie. I was in college by then, and I mean, we were just beyond that at that point. <laughs> So mature. So mature. Very and mature. so cool. <laughs> Just above all that. As if. <laughs> so Alicia was chosen for the role without auditioning. Amy saw her in the Aerosmith video for Crying, and she was like, that's her. I'd kind of forgotten that she was in all those videos. She was in you like did? three or four, right? Yeah. I remember, I thought she was in like one, but then I, I more think of. The one with Liv Tyler. Yeah, I more think of Liv Tyler in those videos. That's crazy, I think. Yeah. The the video, crazy. Yeah. (laughs) I actually just rewatched that video today. Did you? Oh, did you really? For crying, I did. (laughs) I need to check it out, too. You'll hear about it later. Okay, sweet. But she saw her in that, and she was just like, that's her. And it's because she saw her as, like, she's this dream girl that, like, guys would love, but Mm -hmm. she's also... She's also liked by girls. Yeah. Even though she's this, this one thing, she can still be likable right which is you know not everybody can do that no so during the 40-day shoot a few people had some stuff going on alicia had stomach ulcers that were so bad that she was hospitalized twice really yeah so that held up filming some because there weren't a lot of scenes that she wasn't in i wonder what the cause of that was i don't know Hmm. maybe nerves or something else i don't know Brecken sprained his ankle while he was rehearsing for the competition half pipe that we see towards the end of the movie. Easy to do on a skateboard. Yeah. And so they kind of had to rework some scenes that he was in later because 
anything that he would have to be like walking, you know, that wouldn't fly because he was on crutches. Yeah. That's like the only benefit of rollerblading. You're not ever going to sprain your ankle. You're only going to snap your tibia or whatever that lower bone is. In half. <laughs> <laughs> is that a good thing? <laughs> it's a, I mean, at least you're going to protect your ankles. There you go. <laughs> and then Brittany Murphy's mom had just been recently diagnosed with breast cancer, but she had to be on set with Brittany because she was underage. So, you know, um, they okay. had that going on. I'm yeah. sure it wasn't easy, you know, just emotionally for Brittany. So Terrence Howard and Lauren Hill read for the roles of Murray and Dion. Owen Wilson tried out for Travis. Oh, did he really? Yeah. <laughs> Which he could play that surfer dude pretty well. Leah Remini auditioned for Ty. Oh, okay. And then Zoe Deschanel went out for both Amber and Cher. Yeah, I mean, these are all people that I could maybe see as alternatives, but boy, did they, I think they made the right choice. I think so too. For, for all of these characters. I think Zoe could have pulled off Amber. I can't yeah. imagine her as Cher. I can't see anyone else as Cher. No. But Sarah Michelle Geller was actually offered the role of Cher, mm. but she had to turn it down due to scheduling conflicts with all my children. I think, you know, she would have brought something different to that role. Yeah, she probably could have done it. Although, in my opinion, at that point, she wasn't that likable. I was going to say, I don't think she would have been as likable across the board. Right. You know, for I guys think, and girls. Yeah. I didn't watch Buffy. I didn't so either. I know a lot of people love her on Buffy, yeah. but I only knew of her as Kendall Hart on All My Children, and I hated her. Mm -hmm. And then in Cruel Intentions. Mm. So they were both like, you know, she was playing kind of the, the bad girl. Yeah. I know? can't see her being like light and bubbly. Right. You know, I'm sure she can be. I'm sure she can. I mean, she, and, and like she was in later on, like what the scary, she was in. I know what you did last summer, and yeah, she was in the Scooby Doo movies as like Daphne. That's true. I think she is likable. Honestly, it took me a long time to like her because I just based everything on those characters that she played <laughs> early on. So Amy Heckerling actually has a cameo in Clueless. She was one of the boisterous ladies trying to catch the bouquet at the wedding at the end where they're all fighting over over it. We got to go back and like check that out because she know. had some wild hair back then. She did. Very 90s. Very Edward Scissorhands-ish. Very Edward Scissorhands-ish. Right? Yeah, good call. <laughs> very cool. This I thought was very odd. So rain interfered with a lot of the filming. Were they not in Beverly Hills? They were. And it rained? Yes, for like several days. So the floors of the mansion that they had rented for the Horowitz house yeah. were damaged by were they like mud, damaged? Being, mud being tracked in and stuff. During filming? Yeah. Oh, wow. I bet you that was expensive. Yeah. And then um, the Mighty Mighty Boston's performance had to be moved indoors. Oh, it was really? meant to be outdoors. Okay. I just thought that was crazy. It is. Because... It just doesn't rain much out there. I mean, I lived out there for a whole summer, and I think only one day it lightly rained for like five minutes. I was out there for seven or eight days, and it never rained. Yeah. <laughs> it's my sample size. <laughs> there was a TV spinoff, which I forgot about. I didn't really watch it that much, and I think it's because Alicia was not playing Cher. It aired for two seasons, um, but there was no Alicia, Paul, Brittany, or Brecken. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the others were in it. But Paul, Brittany, and Brecken all had cameos, but they just played different characters. Oh, really? That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and there were also books 
There was a comic book series. There was a stage musical. And then it was just announced in 2020 that there was going to be a Dion-centered spinoff on Peacock. Really? Is that yeah. still... I don't know if it's still on or not. Or if it, it? you know, got delayed because Is it going to be Stacey or... Dash? I don't think so. I think it, it'll probably be someone new and it'll probably okay. be a teen show. I gotcha. But it said something about like Cher goes missing and Dion kind of steps into her role as like the queen bee. <laughs> okay. Could be, you know, worth a... Worth a shot. Worth, worth a stream. A... Yeah. So what are your favorite moments? So I love Cher's dad. Yeah, wow. he's great. <laughs> that scene, my number one, when he comes to the dinner table and Cher is attempting to introduce Ty, he just interrupts her and yells, get, get out, out of my, my chair. chair. <laughs> <laughs> Never says hello, sits down and just goes on with what he was doing. He just <laughs> It just cracks me up. And Brittany does so good, too, because she yeah, just like, like she oh, just gets up and moves and like doesn't say anything. She just moves. And same thing with Alicia. That's just what dad does. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So they, like, oh. they just carry on with their conversation. Yeah. <laughs> that cracked me up. <laughs> and he never talks to, to Ty the whole time. No. It's like she's not even there. Did you ever go to anybody's house where like the parents weren't nice to you? Where the parents weren't to nice to me. No, parents loved me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like everybody was always nice. I mean, I think that there were some times that maybe like the dad wouldn't be like overly friendly. Right. But I wasn't around them. If that was the case, I wasn't around them that much. Yeah. I mean, I didn't go visit a wide array of people. Yeah. So everybody was pretty comfortable with me and knew me. Right. For the most part. I definitely never had anyone like yell at me and tell yeah. me to get out of Get out of my chair. Yeah. <laughs> Second one, another one with uh, her dad when Mel sees Cher in her white dress. Uh-huh. And immediately he's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> so I love that. And I love after that, she's like, a dress? And he's like, says who? And she's like, Calvin Klein. Yeah, yeah, that part's funny. But I like that he tells her to go put on something over that dress. And she's like, duh, I was just gonna. Yeah, and then it's like a sheer jacket. It is, yeah. That always cracked me up. Yeah, that's a good one. And then my last one, when in the very beginning of the movie, Cher's doing her, her speech in debate class. And she's saying Hadians. You're trying to say Haitians. Um, so that to me was funny. Yeah. Just watching it. Right. But then we watched the special. Uh-huh. And Amy was like, you know, she didn't know that wasn't how you pronounced it. Right. She just read her script and memorized it and yeah. thought that was just how you said That's it. That's how you said it. <laughs> and it was such a great moment that she told the rest of the crew do not correct her. We want her to say this. Yes. Which I can't tell if it's mean-spirited or this is such a good moment. I want it to stay pure as far as, yeah, that's how you say this. Right. Well, and she probably didn't want to embarrass her either. That's true. Yeah, that's a you good know, point. We'll just look at it that way. Yeah, we'll look at it from a positive aspect. Right. My HMs when Dion gets on the freeway by accident. <laughs> That scene is amazing. That scene is probably the one in the movie that I always belly laugh. Yeah. It is just hilarious. Those two screaming while traffic is flying by them. You know, you got a big rig rolling up behind them. You got an old lady flipping, <laughs> flipping them the them bird. <laughs> she drives by. Everybody's honking at them. Just a really good, really good scene. And the whole time, like, Murray's trying to just calm yeah. her down. <laughs> And my favorite, though, is once they finally get off and, you know, he's like, you did it, baby. You did it. And then they just start making out. Yeah. <laughs> and then Cher's voice over there is like basically saying how after that she and oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Dion and Murray ended up doing the Hooking thing. up. And then my last one, I always notice that house that she just randomly walks by. It's like this 
fairy tale house. It is like a fairy tale. I was like, does Snow White live there? Yeah. <laughs> so I went and looked it up because you can actually see the intersection that she's walking by. So I went and looked it up on Google Maps and it has a notation there for whimsical storybook style home. It's called the Spadina House. Huh. And you can actually see it on Google Maps. You know, the trees have kind of grown in some, so it's a little harder to see. Yeah. But it's just like, wow, it's just sitting there in all its magic and all its glory. Is it something that you can go to or does someone live there? Um, I don't know if someone lives there. You could walk right by it if you want to. It's just on a street. I know, but like it's like I don't a, know if a museum of sorts. You know? That I don't know. I don't know. Need to look it looked like somebody's that. house. Yeah, we'll have to look into it. Okay, my favorite moments... Number one, when Cher is picking out her outfits from her virtual closet <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, it just was so, it seemed like the Jetsons, yeah. you know, when we saw it back then, but it's still cool now because like, I don't have that now. Maybe there's an app where you can do that, but. That would be interesting if there was. And if there isn't. I know. We've hmm. talked about that before. I feel like surely somebody has created that by this point. They have to have. But then you have to take a picture of everything you have, right? I think that's how that would work. Yeah, and the program would have to understand colors and coordination. It'd be very complicated. Yes. But I just love that because you just see how bougie yeah. she is and how glamorous her life is. And it just coordinates, picks out her outfit, and then- It's a great outfit, too. Finds the outfit for her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in that outfit, it's the plaid schoolgirl-looking outfit that I think- Because that was pre-Britney, mm -hmm. you know- it was around the same time as Empire Records when Liv wore the schoolgirl skirt and just made them cool, you know? Yeah, I guess so. I don't really remember that as a style. You don't? Not really. Yeah, it was. At my conservative college, they weren't wearing that. <laughs> <laughs> Number two is the moment at the party, the house party, and Ty gets hit in the head with a shoe mm -hmm. when she and Cher are trying to dance all cute so Elton will notice Ty, because Cher is being a good friend and trying to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And Brittany gets, you know, knocked out by this shoe, probably like a clog from the 90s getting whopped in the head. Some big shoes. Yeah. And uh, Elton, like, picks her up and carries her over to the kitchen island and gets some ice and puts it on her head. And he's, like, making sure she's okay. And I like that Cher tells him to... Like, ask her a question or something. Yeah. And he's like, what's seven times seven? And Cher's like, no, ask her something she'll know. <laughs> <laughs> I love to then, like, he helps her sit up and then she hits her head on the light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in order to, like, you know, see if she's ready and he's like, can you sing this song? And he's like, rolling with the homies. And then she does it. <laughs> and she's just got the she's got a great singing voice anyway. But it's just such a cute little moment. It was. I love that. Rolling with the homies. Good, let's do it. And then number three is that whole scene where Cher realizes that she likes Josh. She's been a little like out of sorts mm -hmm. since Ty had decided she had a crush on Josh and things suddenly were not working out for Cher. She couldn't talk her way out of anything, anything, you know, the way she used to be able to. And she's just like aimlessly roaming around Beverly Hills. Is that when she sees the house? That might be. Yeah. Because I, I feel like she had just gone shopping or something and she's walking around when yeah. she sees that house. Yeah. I think she also went and did some shopping therapy in the middle of all of that. <laughs> but as she's walking, you hear a voiceover where she's talking over all these things. And then she's getting into her driveway of her house and she's standing in front of the fountain and she all of a sudden is like, wait a minute, I like Josh. <laughs> and they show this whole 
montage of all the scenes with her and Josh where they're like picking at each other and teasing each other right? and being flirty. And it's like all of a sudden it all clicked. And as soon as she says, I am majorly, totally, but crazy in love with Josh. <laughs> but crazy. <laughs> and like the fountain lights turn on and the music is all dramatic. Yeah. Oh my God. It's just such a great moment. And then HMs. I love when they're in PE. <laughs> and the girls are all wearing these super cute, like black and white outfits. They're all, they're all different, but they're very cute. They look like they're in like a girl group. They're about to go on stage or something, like the Spice Girls. It's like the inspiration for Bratz dolls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Cher, Dion, and Amber all give excuses <laughs> as to why they can't participate in PE. This reminded me of me and my friends. Like in eighth grade, we used to almost every day when we had PE, we would go up to our teacher. And ask him if we could go work on yearbook because we were on the, <laughs> really? we were on the yearbook staff. And if it had been like because there was this one female teacher and she never let anybody get away with anything. Yeah. But the guy teachers, you know, they were just like coaches and didn't really give a crap. You know, they were just there to whatever. And yeah. so they, they always let us get away with that. So we'd go, quote unquote, work on the yearbook. A what did you of, actually do? I mean, we would go hang out in the dark room. Sometimes we worked on it. And sometimes we just like got snacks out of the vending machine and <laughs> sat in there and gossiped, you know? That is hilarious. I loved PE. Yeah, well, you're an athlete. That's true. Although some of my friends that I was with were also athletes. They just didn't want to do PE. Yeah. It was just more fun to get out of class than we knew we could. In like fifth grade, I think I cried in gym class because we lost. Oh. We lost a soccer game and I was really upset. Little guy. Yeah. And then I lost so much after that that I just <laughs> stopped caring. Oh. It used to be that I didn't lose at anything. And then I just lost. This is a sad story. <laughs> it is a sad story. I cried. Like I had to hide my face because we lost a P.E. soccer match. <laughs> oh, uh, poor baby. Uh, but then we did it again when we got to high school because one of my good friends was on the softball team and her coach was our teacher. Mm -hmm. And he used to always let us get away with getting out of whatever like we would just go sit down on the sidelines and <laughs> we, we never really participated would your brother-in-law allow that i doubt it i doubt it i, I bet think he everybody's would. participating in yeah, his gym class i think so too i don't know though i could see him being lenient and being like oh, all right go do that yeah i could see him doing that i'm gonna ask him yeah we do need to ask him and then I love a good makeover montage. When they do Ty's makeover, that's super fun. And then the last one is when Cher is hoping to seduce Christian because mm -hmm. she doesn't realize that he's gay. And they're on her bed, like both like laying on their stomachs watching the movie. <laughs> and she goes to kind of like look all sexy and puts her arm over her head and like laying sideways and she falls right off the bed. Yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> and he doesn't even really notice. He just kind of hears a thump and looks over and she's just like, oh, oh do you want any... Uh, you know, soda? do you want a drink or whatever it is? <laughs> so good. So I guess that wraps up Clueless. I feel like that went really fast, but. It was a lot of fun. Clueless is a great movie. It is. And we kind of find out that everybody's clueless in their own way. That's right. It's worth a rewatch. All right. Now it's my turn. It's your turn. It's the 1993 movie. Box office smash Jurassic Park. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Oh, you're good. <laughs> you're good, too. <laughs> so this, of course, was directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Michael Crichton. A very good team up right there. Starring 
Sam Neal as Dr. Alan Grant, Laura Dern as Dr. Ellie Sattler, my favorite, Jeff Goldblum as Dr. Ian Malcolm. I think everybody's favorite. Absolutely. Who doesn't like that shot of him laying on the side with his shirt open? <laughs> yeah. It's so hilarious. You got Richard Attenborough as John Hammond, who sadly passed away in 2014. Yeah. Joseph Mazzello as Timmy Murphy. Ariana Richards as Lex Murphy, his sister. Bob Peck as Robert Muldoon, who also sadly passed away. He passed away in 1999. Oh, wow. So not much longer after this. Samuel L. Jackson as Ray Arnold. Wayne Knight as Dennis Nedry, who gave IT people... A bad name for a very long time after this role. <laughs> B.D. Wong as Dr. Henry Wu, whose character has continued on through the series. That's right. And then I put this in here because he also sadly passed away. Greg Burson was the voice of Mr. DNA. Oh. And he's got that iconic line there that I love. Dinosaur. 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 Dinosaurs. Dinosaur. Dinosaur. <laughs> you enjoyed that a little too much. <laughs> I love that. Just that pronunciation has stuck with me since 1993. As soon as that scene started, when we watched it the other night, like before <laughs> that had even happened, you said dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I believe everyone has seen this movie, so really no need. But quick summary: they've brought back dinosaurs with the magic of DNA, and they've made a theme park out of it, because that's what you would do with dinosaurs. I really think that's what they would do. Even though they've seen this movie, they would probably still do it. Yes. There's profit to be had. It would still happen. They got to have it signed off on by some experts. Once these experts are there, the dinos get loose, and they start eating people, as dinos would do. So then it's a race to get off of the island. And they have a T-Rex. They have a T-Rex. <laughs> so yes, quick and dirty summary. I think a lot of people have seen this movie. If you haven't, go check it out. It's iconic. If you haven't, what are you doing? Yes, what are you doing? So some fun facts. This grossed over a billion dollars worldwide. I think at the time it was the first movie to make $900 million, something like that. Wow. It's still number 41 all time, which is good for a movie that came out in 1993. Yeah. Overall, there are approximately only 15 minutes of dinosaur footage in the whole movie. I almost just said dinosaur again. <laughs> I think I'm, that's the only way you're stop ever going to say it. <laughs> I've got to knock that off. <laughs> There's only 15 minutes. It's kind of like Jaws. It's like yeah. you don't see Jaws all that much. It's right. a very Spielberg thing and a good idea. It's like hold back the goodness unless yes. you're doing a Darth Vader movie, which you should be doing, <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy. Because I know you're listening. You should be doing a Darth <laughs> Vader movie where we only see Darth Vader. The whole time. But I digress. Robin Wright was offered the role of Dr. Sadler. Oh, I could turned see it her down. doing yeah, that. Yeah, I think she would have been a good fit as well. But I'm glad they went with Laura Dern. Jim Carrey was also the front runner originally for Dr. Malcolm. Oh. But casting director Janet Hershenon pushed for Goldblum. Yeah, that was which, the better choice. Yes, absolutely good call. So I was nerding out about this earlier today. He was. Thank you for <laughs> putting up <laughs> with all of that. But the CGI in Jurassic Park was so groundbreaking back then. Yeah. You know, Spielberg said in 2013, it changed special effects forever. For better or for worse, honestly, it introduced the digital era. You know, people have become very reliant on it. It's not the way that movies used to be made yeah. until this movie occurred. And it's like, 
they created all these systems that are some of them are still in place today as far as how people do things yeah from a cgi standpoint and i could sit here and have a whole episode where we just talk about that but i won't because he was filling me in on the things i missed today while i was making breakfast yeah and we went back through everything that you'd missed and it was really informative (laughs) so what would you say was the most interesting piece of that oh (laughs) how can i pick how could you pick from any of them i agree So Steven Spielberg earned $250 million for directing this movie thanks to the back-end deals that he had in place. He wasn't sure if it would be successful, but he had like percentages of the merchandise, percentages Uh, of the profit, so he made a lot of money. He learned probably from like E.T. and stuff like that. (laughs) Exactly. And at the time, that was the most anybody had ever made on a movie. I think they said James Cameron on Avatar made more potentially, but I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. And one thing I didn't notice, but Malcolm dressed all in black, Hammond dressed all in white, and that was actually deliberate. Oh. Spielberg and Crichton saw the duo as representations of themselves with Spielberg's positive attitude and idealistic approach resembling Hammond and Crichton's cynical and scientific side defined by Malcolm and his dress code. I was like, huh, I never even thought about that. I like that. So when they were building the T-Rex... A guy named Adam Scott was inside of it, like gluing skin to its frame when the power went out at the studio. Oh, no. So the T-Rex went back to power off mode, (laughs) which means like all the hydraulics were not pressurized or whatever. Like everything went back to a different state and he was inside of it and was lucky not to get crushed because this thing I think they said was 9,000 pounds or something. wow. So he just happened to be in the right spot where nothing crushed him or pierced him, or killed him. <laughs> but it, he got really lucky. That sounds like a movie moment. It sounds Seriously. like a moment when like the car slams down on them and they just happen to be in the right <laughs> spot that it doesn't crush exactly. them. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So Jeff Goldblum says he came up with the idea for Malcolm to save the kids by distracting the T-Rex with a flare and letting it chase him. I guess originally in the script, it had Malcolm just running away scared. But he convinced Spielberg that the flare would be more heroic and more exciting to watch. And it was. It was a cool little spot. It was. I'm glad he didn't just totally bitch out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I've always noticed like the T-Rex sound. Mm -hmm. Like how, I mean, it just is like, yeah, that's probably what a T-Rex sounds like. But it's like, what went into that? It's they slow down the recording of a baby elephant, (laughs) a tiger, and an alligator. To combine all of that. And the the sound designer was just talking about like, you can pretty much slow down anything and make it sound really scary. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's funny because there was one big roar where I was like, go back because it's almost like I could, in my mind, I thought a person was making the sound. Yeah. So I I was like, I feel like I can hear the man in that, you know, and I I made you go back. But I don't know. Maybe I was just hearing, you know, an alligator. I don't know. It could be. Now, with the raptors, that's a combination of dolphins and some other noises Uh, as well. Yeah. But the dolphin noise, they honestly didn't change all that much. It's just a scary noise that dolphins make. It's like that high pitch. Yeah. So here's one thing that I've always thought about, because even back then there was some debate on whether or not dinosaurs or certain dinosaurs were like covered in feathers if they're, you know, giant, terrifying birds. Yeah. Um, So there was an expert on set, Dr. Jack Horner who's the real-life inspiration for Dr. Alan Grant, 
He was pushing Spielberg to cover the dinosaurs in feathers. Oh. Because he's an expert, and he said they were almost certainly covered in feathers. But Spielberg, while he respected his opinion, thought that scaly dinosaurs would look scarier, and it's a movie, so it's not historically accurate. Imagine how that would have changed how we picture dinosaurs if yes. Jurassic Park had been made that way with feathers. Yeah, like if Jurassic Park put feathers on them originally. Right. Because they still don't maybe now. like for us, because we grew up learning about dinosaurs that looked scaly. Yeah. But like later generations, like what would their thoughts be about dinosaurs? You yeah, know, like they probably would be more like feathers because I'm, I'm sure from then on, we would have just seen dinosaurs with feathers. I think you're right. I feel like they found a decently preserved dinosaur with feathers yeah. semi-recently, like within the last five years. Like they weren't all covered in feathers. Have you seen pictures of that? I think so. I want to see it. Yeah, we did just confirm. That's true. So I am not going to the vice principal's office. Not yet. Not yet. I'm sure something else is going to be untrue. <laughs> Seeing those pictures has just blown my mind up. Yeah, I just showed her a picture of a dinosaur tail in amber covered in feathers. Crazy. Terrifying. Yes. <laughs> or really cool. Maybe they were really friendly. They're just giant birds. Uh, maybe. <laughs> With, with huge claws and giant mouths and jaws. <laughs> so friendly. So you remember the spot when the T-Rex attacks the kids in the Jeep and it's got the plexiglass and they're like yes. screaming and holding the plexiglass? So scary. That was accidental. <gasps> oh. Yeah, so it wasn't supposed to come down that far. It went down too far and pushed that plexiglass in. Oh my gosh. So the kids screaming <gasps> was legitimate. Holy and Spielberg crap. just kept it. That is so good. Yeah. It's like, whoops. Good thing it didn't hurt them. <laughs> For real. So we also watched a little special, and this was something that I'd heard before, like that scene where the T-Rex is approaching and you can see the water ripple. Yes. You can also see the mirror shake. So that was all inspired by Steven Spielberg was driving to the movie set or to the office, wherever he was going, and was listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire. As you do on the way to work. As you do. So so loudly that it was shaking his mirror. And then I saw other reports that he'd seen like, you know, his coffee do the same thing. But I don't know if that part's true or not. But he said, I want this to happen. I want the mirror to shake. And I want perfectly concentric circles to occur when the steps happen. And one of the production guys was working very hard <laughs> from the looks of things. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, to try to make that happen because... Nobody knew how to do it. He was talking to all sorts of people, scientists, musicians, everybody. He said the night before the shoot happened, he was like, let me put this on a guitar. So he took like a cup of water and I guess put it on the guitar or something and plucked the string and it mm -hmm. did it perfectly. So they ran guitar strings under the car. Yeah, and had some guy under there plucking Plucking strings. that when, when it was supposed to happen. I love that. Yeah. I can just imagine that guy's relief and excitement. Especially that night before when it yeah. worked. He's like, oh my gosh, it worked. I want to know like, if he called Spielberg immediately or if he waited until the morning to tell them. Well, I bet he called them. He was telling him the whole way that, oh, we got this, we got this, we got this. Oh, that's right. Because then it showed Stephen being like, I just, I never even knew that it yeah. caused him so many sleepless <laughs> nights. Whoops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just my little wish for, you know, this to happen. Yeah. So I did notice Richard Attenborough, I was like, is he any relation to Sir David Attenborough, who does like Planet Earth and a whole bunch of nature specials? Yeah. I love that guy. 
he was his older brother. And also there's a motor executive, John Attenborough. But yeah, so they're all related there. Oh, John is related to them too? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's hit the favorites. Okay. So number one, when they're hiding in the tree and they're, you know, sleeping and kind of resting from their (laughs) running from dinosaurs (laughs) all night, they wake up to what Lex calls a Vegisaurus. It's the Vegisaurus. Eating from the tree that they're in. She's terrified when she wakes up. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, her eyes are so big and she's like, (gasps) and they're like, it's okay. Remember? You know, that's when Tim, is it Tim or Timmy? Timmy. Tim or Timmy. You could call him either one. That's when her brother tells her that, you know, it's okay. Remember, they eat veggies. It's a veggiesaurus. Like, it's okay. And so then she kind of relaxes a little bit. And then they're just kind of in awe because it's so close. And they're touching it. And then Lex is still nervous. And it comes over and is, like, looking at her. And she's just like, oh, hi. You know, like, she's getting comfortable. And then it sneezes all over her. Blasts her. So gross. (laughs) It reminded me of Never Ending Story. Oh, yeah. When Morla sneezes all over a trail. Yeah. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. <laughs> okay, number two is when Dr. Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum's character, is being super flirty with Dr. Sattler. Yeah, he's working it. Laura Dern's character. Yeah. They're in the Jeep and they're on the ride and they're stopped and nothing's really happening. And so he's like, Rubbing on her hands and touching her hair. He's telling her all this other stuff, you know, just being charismatic and Jeff Goldblum and, you know, and she's like totally oblivious to what he's trying to do. Yeah. And then you've got Dr. Grant. Yeah. He's over there just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I see what you're doing, you know, because he's got a thing going with her, too. So it does. I just think that's a fun moment that doesn't have anything to do with dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to me. And then number three is when. All of this craziness has happened and you kind of start to think maybe part of it's over Mm -hmm. and they get back to the visitor center and the kids are there. They're left alone because the adults need to go still take care of some stuff. They got business. And the kids are there and like they look and there's this huge spread of food. It looks delicious. It is a feast. It is. Yes. It looks very fancy and you see their eyes get big and like, oh, because you know they're so hungry. Mm -hmm. And so- They make plates and they sit down to eat and you see them kind of like the camera just goes back and forth between the two. And all of a sudden, like it's on Tim and he just kind of has this questioning look on his face, looking at his sister. And then it goes back to her and she was getting ready to take a bite and she's got jello on her spoon. And you just see, honestly, before I even really noticed her face, I noticed that her hand's shaking so much and the jello is just like wobbling. Yeah. In her hand. And then you notice her eyes fixated on something and she's terrified. And you're like, oh, no. What is it? What is it? And then it cuts and you notice that she's seeing a silhouette of a dinosaur moving. It's one of them raptors. Yeah. So just that scene alone, like, I just love that moment. I think Mm -hmm. they really did a good job of, like, letting you think for a second. You're safe. That things are okay, that you're safe. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope. You are not safe. And then I felt really bad for them that they didn't get to eat. I know. It just looks so good. (laughs) Just like, just eat the Jello real quick. Just take a bite and then take off. Yeah. And I also just really like that scene. I'm not a huge action Mm -hmm. person. Yeah. I like a horror movie. And I think maybe this is why I like this scene because it feels kind of like a horror movie. Because the kids run into the back kitchen that's one of those big grand service kitchens Mm -hmm. you know 
Everything is aluminum. Yeah. <laughs> and it feels like anything you touch is going to make noise. Yes. So they're like crawling through, running to hide. You see the raptor figure out how to open the door. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that there's not just one. There's two of them. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> so then it's the whole thing of them trying to hide from them and run from them. And it's all like near misses and it's very intense. That's a really good scene. I really like that whole thing. We saw in the special specific to that scene when they originally like did a storyboard and then like a little mock-up of that before they had the dinosaur expert on set. The raptors had like a snake tongue that they would stick out to test where things are. And as soon as the dinosaur expert got there, he was like, who put that in there? And one guy's (laughs) like, "Uh, that was me. He's like, what's the matter with you? They would never do that. Get it out of there now. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Shamed him. Shame. Okay, HMs. So when Tim is stuck in the car in the tree and Dr. Grant is climbing the tree. You know, he's going to save him because he knows he's still in the tree mm-hmm. where Lex was with him and she's like down waiting in a tunnel for him. He's going up and Tim is not saying a word. So you're kind of like, is he even okay? You know? He's just fallen like a hundred feet. Yeah. Off of a ledge. A like, big ledge yeah, yeah. in this car. Mm-hmm. That's been crushed by a T-Rex. Yeah. So he finally gets to him and you see that he's there. He's just so scared. He can't say a word. I threw up. Oh, yeah, and he's, like, embarrassed because he threw up. Yeah. I just thought it was, like, a sweet little vulnerable moment, and then it's all, like, intense because Dr. Grant's trying to get to him, and he turns the wheel and makes the tire move, and then you know the car's unstable, but he doesn't know it, and he finally gets him out, and they're starting to go down the tree, and then the car breaks through that limb and starts coming down on top of them. Then it stops. They think they're okay again. Then it starts coming again. So they're just having to go, 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 go really fast. And then they, <laughs> they like start to run in the ground and then the car just lands right on top of them. And luckily, the T-Rex did smash that sunroof. Yeah, otherwise they would have been dead. They would have been crushed. And then I love, because then Tim's like, we're in the car again. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't understand is why not just rotate around the tree? Yeah, like, why are you trying to go down, <laughs> go down right there? Like, like, 50 feet when you can just go three feet to the side and just yeah. go, all right, there it goes. Now, they didn't because that's not suspenseful. Right. And that's not how it was written. It's yes. just like, common sense would say right there, rotate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then just the moment when the welcome to Jurassic Park and like yeah. when they all see the dinosaurs for the first time. Oh, such a good score at that it point. It is such a great score. Yeah, it gives me chills every time. And you know that these are paleontologists. They love dinosaurs. It's their whole life. Like, anybody would be amazed to see dinosaurs right now. I mean, obviously. But these people love them so much. So it's just even more special to them. Yeah, it's like all they do is look at bones of something they've never And study, and they just want to know more all the time. And now they get to actually see it, you know? It's incredible. It's a great moment. It is. That's it for me. What about you? I love that shot of the T-Rex when Dr. Grant gets its attention with the flare. Yeah. And it sees him, and there's, like, light on his face, and he just hollers at Dr. Grant. (laughs) It is so realistic-looking, angry. He has such attitude. He does. It's just so incredibly real. Actually, she has such attitude, right? Because they're all... Yes, that's true. Well... 
They were female, but then we found out later that life finds a way. Life finds a way, and as Doctor Malcolm would say, yeah, because then there were males, and they were able to. He does chaos theory, which is a study of mathematics. Chaos. Okay. But he's a chaotician because there's no s in there. Interesting. Anyways, but I I just love that, and I think it's so well done. But of course, there should be feathers there. There should, there be, should be a giant chicken. Oh man. I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> Maybe they should make a new one that has feathers. Well, I'm trying to Well, they've think. already made new ones, and they, they didn't do feathers then either. Well, I feel like maybe some of them they did. I'm going to have to go and look in Jurassic World and the Fallen Kingdom, because I can't remember. I don't remember either. I feel like I, I would remember were. if they had done feathers. Yeah, like I know for sure, like the T-Rex and the raptors and that big alligator thing, or whatever that is, didn't have it. Yeah. So I, I'll have to go check it out. Next up for me... The Triceratops scene. Oh, so good. You got the sick dino. You got a giant pile of poo that (laughs) Dr. Sattler is going through with some gloves on. But it just looked so incredibly real when like Dr. Grant's laying on the Triceratops and it's just breathing. You're just like, oh my God, this is incredible. I can still remember sitting in the theater being like, whoa. I know. It was so mind blowing. And Triceratops are always my favorite. Yes, I, I do like the Triceratops. I also like that, uh, it's like the armadillo. The stegosaurus? Which one's the stegosaurus? I'm surprised we never saw a stegosaurus in this movie. Let's see here. Which one is the stegosaurus? It's the one that has like the plates on the back. Ah, that's right. Yeah, it's got the plates, Mm -hmm. like the ribs. Okay. Which is the one with, it's like a turtle with like a a weapon on its tail. I know what you're talking about. Is that a, it starts with an A, I think. I used to teach dinosaurs to preschoolers. And Did you? Right now, I can't remember the name of it. It's been too long. Ankylosaurus or something? That might be it. We're going to go with that. <laughs> I should know it better, but you taught it. You should know it better than me. I should, but it's <laughs> been a long time. No shame. Next up for me, when Nedry gets killed by the Dilophosaurus, I just love that whole scene. Like You get this cute little dinosaur <laughs> that's making these cute noises, following him oh, around, gosh. and you're just like, uh-oh. This is not going to go well. And then it like jams him in the face with some venom. <laughs> and then he, he he's safe and he gets in his car and there he is right next to him. He unfurls like his, his things on the thing side. His comes out like, on his, it's like a big, yeah. uh, I don't know, like fanned out. Yeah, whatever it is. Headdress it, or something. It, it just is. looks, I don't know. But the fact that the dinosaur was smart enough. To get in the car. To know to get in the car while he was out. Yep. That whole scene, I mean, when I watched it in the theater, of course, everything was intense, kind of like a horror movie. It was very suspenseful. Mm-hmm. But like that moment when it's like, ah, and it spreads out was so terrifying <laughs> in the movie theater yeah. as a child. You know, I mean, I was like, well, I say as a child, what year was this? 93. 93 yeah. So I was like 12 or 13. You were a teenager. A, a young teenager, <laughs> an adolescent. Yeah. I just remember being so scared. But watching it when we watched it last week, I could barely watch that scene. I was so <laughs> freaked out because I didn't remember. It had been long enough that I didn't remember when it happened. So I was just like waiting the whole time. I'd forgotten too. I actually thought it happened outside the car for Me some too. reason. Me too. I thought it was when they were like by the tree. I thought it was when he was crawling up the waterfall and then fell down that one time. Yes. I was like, oh, here comes that part. And then I was like, oh, when I was like, oh, then it's in the car. And then he's like, if he if he hadn't (laughs) fallen down, he could have been fine. He would have been fine. Actually, if he hadn't dropped his glasses, you know, like everything else, because then he would have been able to see. Yep. Newman. (laughs) Yeah. 
What's funny is it's Nedry, but when I first read it, I thought it said nerdy. You think nerdy? they did that on purpose? Maybe. <laughs> All right, some HMs for me. That scene towards the end when they're crawling in the ceiling mm-hmm. and they're trying to get away from the yeah. rafters, but that one panel falls away yes. and Lex falls through as the raptor falls down as oh, well. So scary. It's just, it was so like well done. It's a perspective that you generally don't see uh-huh. and it was just it was really cool and I actually saw in the special today they digitally replaced the stunt woman's face it was like the first time they'd done that with lex's face oh, so it's cool. a stunt woman that's hanging there and i was just like wow that's really well done i never noticed that next up would be that one scene where you first get the t-rex outside of his enclosure and he's looking into the car where yes. the kids are and uh-huh. she's got the flashlight And his head goes down there and it shines on his eye and then his pupil constricts. Uh, And that just, I remember that in the theater just feeling like, whoa, that it was really realistic. Like, holy cow, that's awesome. And then finally, kind of a funny moment for me. I guess it's not really funny, but I laugh (laughs) at it every single time. When Timmy's trying to get off the electrified fence or barrier uh-huh. and he counts three but at the last second he gets shocked yeah. and he just he's like light as a feather stiff as a board <laughs> like just flies off that fence <laughs> smoking <laughs> to the ground and it just cracks me up every time poor kid poor timmy that's all i got wow that's it for jurassic park nice job yeah nice job to you too i'm glad we got to watch it now we're in the helicopter Flying away with the birds flying next to us. Yeah, I wonder what song was playing right there. I feel like it wasn't the Jurassic Park theme, but... Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to look it up and play it right now. Uh, Nice. (laughs) That's the one. Okay, so it's 90s. 90s? So we're picking songs instead of nostalgic items. I like it. We're picking songs from the years that these two movies came out. So starting with 1993, when Jurassic Park came out, I'll go first. Let's hear it. The song I chose, I actually mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. It's Cryin' by Aerosmith. Obviously fitting, since Alicia is the star of the video. <laughs> Very topical of you. Yes. It also features Stephen Dorff and Josh Holloway from Lost. Stephen Dorff we just saw last week on Kid 90, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. I had the cassette single, and I remember how it had like a broken baby bottle, mm-hmm. and then crying was written in milk, yeah. which I just always thought was so cool <laughs> and so clever. Very clever. But so great. I mean, I love all Aerosmith, but I really love 90s Aerosmith. Yeah. So mine is Dre Day by Dr. Dre featuring Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> this one, I mean, I had the CD. Yeah. It's just a song that I really enjoyed listening to. <laughs> well, I mean, that's yeah. as good of a reason as any to choose it. Okay, in 95, The Year Clueless came out. This one's kind of cheesy, but I chose... Have you ever really loved a woman by Brian Adams? I also love this song. It was from the movie Don Juan DeMarco with Johnny Depp. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yes. And I just remember, like, it just felt so romantical. 
And <laughs> I loved the line. Well, we'll just play it right here. When you can see your unborn children in her eyes. Oh, magical. So good. And it's so funny because I ended up, you know, not having children, but I still just <laughs> thought it was so romantic. I loved it. Good pick. What's yours? Mine is from one of my favorite bands. I do celebrate their entire catalog. <laughs> it is Pearl Jam's I Got ID. I don't know if I know that one. Let me play it for you. All right. Okay. It is I love that song. It has blown my mind that you don't know it. I said it's familiar. I just, I don't know the words. We're going to have a Pearl Jam night, and you're going to learn the words along with me. <laughs> I just know the tune. <laughs> yeah, you did just kind of do a, an Eddie Vedder impersonation over the words of the song. I know like, some of the words. <laughs> you just kind of mumbled in Eddie Vedder. Yes. <laughs> All right, I guess we're done. We're done. So just the usual reminders. We're on Patreon. We have an episode there about the first episode of Freaks and Geeks. It's our Pilots on Patreon series. Uh, we have a new one coming soon. Mm -hmm. We'll be able to announce which one that is very soon. We also have our real-world homecoming recaps coming out on Tuesdays. The one this week was episode three, so check those out. It's a lot of fun revisiting with the roommates. Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with that. Me too. And then we have our Cozy Club. Mm -hmm. DM us on Instagram at we don't want to grow up pod or email us at we don't want to grow up pod at gmail.com with your childhood memories that give you the warm and fuzzies or something that you do now to take care of your mental health. I love hearing the warm and fuzzies. I do too. It's such a great little time. I'm so glad that we've added it. I also thought something else that we could start adding in is something nice that you did for someone hmm. recently or that someone did for you. I just like to think of Mr. Rogers, you know, like, look, like look for the heroes. Thank you for participating in our cozy club. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Dinosaur.